Welcome to Improsophy, where we bring living room discussions to your daily life. This week, we are currently discussing the final chapter in the book, The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis on charity. Enjoy! Okay, so we're here at the last part of charity, of The Four Loves, excuse me, on charity here. Um, what's something I, as just to start off, what's been your impression on the whole book so far, Corey? Um, hmm. It definitely felt like the tone changed this last chapter. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like for this last chapter, he, he actually said a lot and it had a lot of substance to it. Yeah, for like affection, Eros, he kind of viewed it as these two are kind of natural in nature, but then... For friendship, he seemed to think that one was an oddball. Mm-hmm. And then charity just was a whole tone shift. Yeah, felt like charity was something that, at least I think he was trying to encapsulate the whole thing. For sure. Yeah, um, yeah for this whole thing, uh, first, first thing I want to... One impression that I got for it was, for the love of God to be within us fully must give up our selfish nature in in order to be truly filled by God. Hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I'm trying to think. I guess I'll get into this. Um well do you do you have more overview? I mean I do, but I I wanna um have that piecemeal throughout the whole throughout the whole episode. Okay, so I was listening to our, I guess, intro video, and I think the way it ended was talking about well-ordered love and then this analogy of, like, the pyramid of love. Mm -hmm. So I I actually drew a diagram just kind of thinking through that, and it it did become a pyramid miraculously. Oh, okay. And I, I kind of do it with two polarities. One is the transcendent and the natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the natural being like just the forms we're familiar with the you know we're very familiar with affection arrows uh, just things that are very humanly and intuitive and baked in and then the transcend transcendental oh man transcendental things mm-hmm. uh, being things that can only be pondered through like first extra- extrapolation and then direct experience. Uh, so there's how do I word this? Like, hmm, yeah. It, it seems like the natural things and the natural loves can point towards the transcend trans transcendental. I need to transcendental my gosh i cannot pick a word today that you love a friend well and you love a partner well and you have affection towards people and it can almost make you ponder this thing bigger than yourself this bigger love Mm -hmm. and then once you have maybe a, a direct experience of the transcendental it actually kind of goes back into the natural. 
it's like it's like the bible verse that the kingdom of god is like yeast that works its way through a bread Mm -hmm. It's it's like you can kind of have this these experiences of love and then you can approximate a higher love and then once you have an experience of that you're like oh my goodness it's like baked in the whole thing it's baked in the bread mm-hmm. so that was two sides of the pyramid thing i was drawing yeah. uh just the transcendental and the natural and i think there's issues for both for the natural uh you can think of as an image the evolutionary biologist that can't really think beyond the natural they um struggle to extrapolate they maybe would say you know human intelligence is is really impressive but they wouldn't be able to ask bigger questions than that um the one i've told you a bunch of times is saying okay is there life out there in the cosmos is there intelligent life is there intelligent life that has learned to love? Is there intelligent life out there that has learned to love that sees our love as primitive? Um, I I think a I, I think certain yeah groups cannot be able to ask that the second two questions um, and contemplate something bigger themselves. That that would be an issue of too much focus on the natural and then too much focus on the. Um, transcendental is to not really um, maybe even understand the natural or be attached to it and if people don't understand their nature they're going to be ruled by it Mm -hmm. if people don't understand the the gritty tribal part of us they could potentially be ruled by tribalism or the um, you know or, or the Christians that haven't had like sex ed that made sense and then they just get to situations where they're like okay i just did what my body told me to um i was ruled by my nature because because of this like emphasis on the transcendental without actually becoming in tune with what it means to have a body yeah and then the other two sides of this pyramid it's like a a two axis thing. So one axis is nature and transcendental and the other axis is uh, diversity and unity. Um, Is love heading towards diversity or is it heading towards unity? And you get this similar thing where the world is kind of chaotic and there's this point where a lot of people say like, man, can't we just put that all aside and get along? Like, isn't that love to just put everything aside and be one human family and get over our our tribalistic nature. But the interesting thing is is when you get to that idea of unity, you almost do this like return, like you have this love of diversity of people having different capacities and niches and uh just talents and skills. Mm-hmm. So it's it's another weird circle with with a natural extrapolating the transcendental and then having an experience of that and then realizing that it's it's baked into the bread it's it kind of was the case and isn't everything um 
and then with seeking unity, but then that, um, I guess certain realizations leading back to diversity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this very strange paradox and it, it almost deepens a person. Um, and I, I think those two paradoxes are somehow wrapped around love. Mm-hmm. So basically an understanding of transcendental and the natural, right? And trying to bridge the gap between the two. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I don't even know if it's it's like a gap. I think it's like, I guess, just a dialogue. And every party needs to be seated at the table to to kind of have this conversation about the meaning of life mm-hmm. and, and leaving out the natural element or leaving out the um, transcendental element is not going to get you to the best solution basically. Yeah. So, so yeah, having the mixture of the ideal and the real, if for a lack of a better term combined together, but, I mean, that definitely is an interesting idea. I wonder how you would apply that to a situation of charitable love or as Lewis was putting it in the book, how he was putting it for charity, how you combine those two things together to make, at least for in regards to this chapter, how do we put that towards charity towards one another? Not charity as in, oh, I'm going to give $1,000 away or something like that, but charity in a sense of i suppose as i mentioned with my first quote here for the love of god to be within us fully we must give up our selfish nature in order to be truly filled by god i suppose in order to have a better understanding of yourself you have to understand that you are both spiritual and natural where obviously, of course, you are flesh and blood. There's no denying that. You're also a spiritual creature because without the sense, I suppose, of some sort of intuition, I'm just kind of kind of guess, guessing a little bit here, but I think it's spiritual in terms of feeding your, um, feeding the mental health side of yourself. Of course, you have so many spiritualities out there, but the issue is, do they truly point to a true source of love and charity? Because you have many out there who have this transcendental meditation and other things of that sort. I'm sure that some of them helps some people, but do they truly help the person achieve virtue within themselves to properly order your loves, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think any uh, impropering, improper ordering of love will eventually bear bad fruit. Uh, so I, I guess I'm not like personally super concerned if someone has like a closeted bad motivation because mm-hmm. I, I think it will eventually um, come out and then they'll have a chance to change it i i guess um hmm i i guess it it's i guess i've seen some circles where there's this like hidden cynicism it's like oh you seem happy you seem like you're doing the right thing but like 
is there really not something in there? Like, uh, is this really as pure as you say it is? Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I'm not um, super concerned personally about putting like a scalpel in someone's motivations and like digging around to make sure it's like all good. Yeah. And I suppose that would be on the individual person themselves. So you can take, let's say somebody else is giving you something. You can only take what they can give you if it is say a gift now what that person's motivation is that's up to them if you receive it in good faith then you're receiving something in good faith but if they're giving it to you with ulterior motives that's on them for not sh having true love and charity within themselves hmm. yeah but as you were as you just said you can't take a scalpel and poke around in somebody's subconscious or a, a metaphysical scalpel, a better way of putting it. So this spiritual scalpel of, oh, slice, slice open this um, imaginary head of yours and we'll open up and see your thoughts for the whole world to see. doesn't quite work like that. Check the hypothalamus. <laughs> um. But I think a, a good understanding of having this to tie this first point together, how does one tie both the transcendental and the real together? I suppose in the person of Christ himself, who became fully God, who is fully God, but who came as fully man, gave himself as a perfect sacrifice for humanity. In that sense, that is true charity to give up heaven for just a short amount of time for himself. Hmm. Yeah, I don't even know if it, hmm, like some people like to view things as like, oh, these two opposites hold them in tension or mm -hmm. uh, like glue them together, <laughs> duct tape mm -hmm. them together. I, I guess maybe I'm being a little hippie and Eastern here, but I, I think like part of engaging yourself in the paradox can have this like deepening of the self uh, that you don't even need to reconcile opposites. You just need to, you know, behold one in your left hand, behold one in your right hand and look at the two realities. Um, and, and just kind of engage in, in them and it would naturally deepen you. Mm-hmm. So in other words, engage in some form of um, higher mystery, would you say? Yeah, I, I think that, yeah. yeah. I guess I guess the question that I have is, how do we recognize when our love is less than what it should be? Yeah, some, sometimes you'll just, you know, start bearing bad fruit or mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, hmm. I think a good way of putting it is self-examination to see where you're at obviously though unfortunately there are those who have such a lack of self-awareness that they think that they're literally God's gift to humanity but as a matter of fact they're, they're closer to the devil himself than they are to even the lowest of angels yeah, I think when there's peace, there's 
to quote Jung, there's when there's peace, or I'm sorry, his quotes, when there's wisdom, there's no conflict between thinking and feeling. I, I, I think, um, hmm, maybe like a deeper peace might be part of it. When things are done out of fight or flight, us versus them, uh, you know, getting your blood pressure up and, and all that stuff. It, it doesn't seem like that's ever really the way forward. Mm-hmm. Now, that there are times that you'll be in like a, a situation where you're your body will kick into that mode like naturally and it is kind of a balancing thing however i i think if you're engaging in ways of life that are perpetually stimulating you and getting you in this anxious fighting position then i I think that would be a a sign of not having wholeness. Hmm. I wonder how that would be where somebody, let's say going back to the self-examination part, how somebody, even in trying to examine themselves, how would they have a lack of wholeness? I'm wondering what, what do you think? If you don't know, that's okay. Because I'm just, I'm asking for myself as well. Hmm. We can come back to it if it, that's all right. Yeah, it, it is case by case. If yeah, like what what got left out? Like if you're living in a way that's not actually using all like the pieces of your personality or all your sub-personalities. Um, if you're like existing in a mode where a big chunk of you is being left out, mm-hmm. or, or repressed, honestly. Yeah. I wonder if this might have actually something to do with it as well. What you say and what you do align with each other. What you say, do, and think align with one another. I wonder if that can be a process of where somebody can have that sense of wholeness. That's interesting. I think that also goes back to the transcendental and the natural. Like people that are very idealistic and maybe think about the Mm -hmm. transcendental, they'll make big promises without knowing enough nature that they can't actually execute those promises that's potentially a folly. Mm -hmm. And then there's people that are really practical. They know how to do things, but they, you know, ah, that guy's just another idealist. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to do business with him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know the first dang thing about throwing railroad tracks (laughs) on the ground or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I think to have like a really solid word, you need to have enough experience to be practical about it, but also have something driving you forward. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder how we can apply this towards charitable love towards other people, not just in regards to having a sense of self wholeness for ourselves, but also how do we apply these selves to each other? I suppose, how can we have wholeness with our friends, community, or what have you, and have a greater expression of what not superficial love, but true love is? Yeah, I think love is like the engine of finding wholeness. I, I guess that's the assumption I didn't say. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is the only way way forward. Um. Here, I'll just give a definition of charitable love. Yeah, that's fine. A charity, a love disinterested in the beloved's desires, but desires the fullness of the beloved's nature. So, me, Corey, charitably loving you, Jordan, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to just have your desire satiated I want you to have your nature full and fulfilled. Um, you could even say integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe your personal desires could could line up with, you know, what what like the human like form and its fullness and flourishing is. Maybe your desires do line up with that. Maybe they don't. But I, I guess wanting what's genuinely like the whole way down like what's best for them uh agnostic of what the other person wants mm-hmm. no this just this is a thought that came to mind how is it that this might be completely off topic how is it that we can even love the monster within ourselves if that even makes sense how can we properly integrate that to bring that towards a more sense of wholeness and love and charity? Because I'm thinking of the part from Nietzsche where he says, um, be careful when you fight monsters or you yourself may become a monster or when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back at you. One of his more famous quotes, obviously. But my question is, how can you have that proper integration as you can tell, I'm asking a lot of questions this time for this. Yeah, proper integration with putting it love into action. Because what I'm wondering is how do we put these idealized portions of ourselves or of these ideas into proper loving action? Yeah, and I think... Hmm. I'm going to go on a a tangent to your tangent. You're right. You're fine. But it might might resolve a a slice of your tangent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So earlier this week, I was considering meeting someone. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And... Basically, my mentality was I'm going to go to them and negotiate with them. They have their authority, so they have a domain in such and such an arena, and they have the technical expertise and ability 
to make things move within their domain of competence. And I had this mentality like, oh, I'm going to see them and I'm going to negotiate, talk brass tacks with them mm-hmm. and try to like, I don't say get my way, but um, maybe maybe stiff arm them a little bit by being so upfront about what I wanted to bring up to them. And I realized that if I went into the conversation like that, I'm actually like bringing this energy with me that I'm setting it up as an arena, like, oh, got to, you know, ace this interview or got to win this contract or got to like, like whatever it is, there's ways we can drum up this this like arena competition way of thinking in our minds. And it, it brings a whole host of energy with it. Uh, that is kind of a choice. Hmm. And yeah, part of this, I was like, I like, I want to kind of do this approach to them because I don't say I like wanted some of their, their resources, but I, I wanted their, some of their guidance. Um, you know, this happens all the time. People go to the, the car dealership and they have all these like images of their head of the car dealer ripping them off or they, uh, what's another example? Oh shoot. I'm losing them. Mechanic. Yeah. The mechanic. That's a good one. Uh, and you can just, you can just drum up this like way of thinking and then just bring this host of energy with you. And then it's like just another customer service rep getting ripped into for no reason because this host of energy has been brought into the room with you rather than like a spirit of peace. Like, okay, I'm going to try to talk about this. Um, you need I was about to say if you need to take a moment to think further don't don't worry about that yes I think there's a way that situations be entered in peace and then ways that they can be turned into this Thing that they don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like that. <laughs> okay, I feel like I was trying to interact with your tangent, but it was kind of like a messy break and pool. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I think there was some, some exchange, but I haven't fully connected it. Mm-hmm. I think where I'm going with is charity in the applicable sense, but you're, I think now correct me if I'm wrong. I I don't mind at all. Uh, I think where you're trying to go with is trying to bring a certain type of energy to somebody and that energy, is that going to be, um, I guess, I don't know if this is the right word conducive to the situation. 
What do you think? Yeah, I think you can anticipate um, bringing certain energies into areas, but to just like be at peace and let love follow as its energy is, is a mm -hmm. much different mentality than trying to manipulate and control and coerce and subverse the, the situation. Hmm. Like that there's this way of thinking that I'll just do what's reasonable and, and see what doors open, how the world opens up. And then there's this control other way of thinking where it's like trying to get what you want and it almost, it almost lacks like this element of, I don't know, pick your word, peace, gratefulness, mm -hmm. faithfulness. Yeah. I, I think a good way, I don't know how to add on to that. I, I think a, a way to apply that is what kind of energy are you trying to bring into the situation and are you cognizant of that sort of energy? I, I think the goal should be to invite love into every situation. Mm -hmm. Like you shouldn't anticipate a situation in your head where you're going to treat someone like crap and then like get into that situation and like exactly that happens. Mm-hmm. I think a good um I think a good under way excuse me I think a good word to use for this at least for certain situations of our lives is are we willing to be vulnerable when bringing those type of energies mm. because to tie to kind of string that in is at least I think it was on page 155 and I, I have it written down right here uh, to love at all is to be vulnerable love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken I'm trying to find it on this page here well well yeah um that, that, that's the thing though with true love in regards to giving or something of that sort sometimes there are times where there is the possibility of getting hurt yeah for sure and i think in regards to your situation i'm wondering if it's you trying to put yourself on the line despite the fact that some sort of hurt might come out of it what do you think um Yeah, I guess it was, yeah, I guess in my situation, um, it was almost like this overcompensating to try to come off a very certain way mm -hmm. rather than just be at peace and do everything within my means, um, you know, like do the right things, but not really have this, this anxiety that turns into a weirdly framed situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think in regards to, as well, charity, at least in the way I'm trying to understand it and the way Lewis 
um, has it here. I think it was something along the lines of giving of oneself. Maybe not so far as it would be for agape in terms of continuous giving of oneself despite whatever might be there. It almost seems as if though it's this sense of giving yourself wisely. Hmm. I think proper good charity is to give yourself, but to give yourself wisely. I'm wondering if that's something along the lines of what Lewis was probably trying to say. Yeah, I think there are limitations. Um, like Christ would like seclude himself. Mm-hmm. And he had the crowds of people asking miracles like, man, how much energy did this guy have? <laughs> I think that that's a good understanding of even Jesus in his, even though he was fully God, he still had human limitations that he willfully let himself endure. And so in regards to himself being willfully limited, he had to withdraw for a time to recharge. And I suppose a good understanding of the people who always wanted a miracle from him, they're always asking, but the question is, are they asking because they truly want to change or are they asking because they want just something and just go about their days with an unchanged life? Because love is something that should transform, not to be, and it's not something that should be completely selfish and self-satisfying. Yeah, I agree with that. Miracles are problematic because they're... Well, it depends on the miracle, but I, I think if the miracle does not serve to change a person internally, then I would say the person even if they were healed of a physical ailment, their spiritual state, I would say, had either no change or is in a worse state. Mm. Now, of course, I don't want to denigrate somebody who's had a miracle and it has changed their life, but I'm reminded of the story where you had Jesus healing 10 lepers and only one came back to thank him. How many people can truly be thankful for the charity that's been given to them while they just take something and go about their day? Yeah, I don't know if like, like rain is something that falls on the sinners and saints. I, I don't know, like, I don't know when miracles pop up. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, and they're not something that can be conjured up. They're just something that can be submitted to. Um, Miracles to be submitted to. I like that. Keep going. That's a Jung quote. Keep going. <laughs> I'm plagiarizing. Um, mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, love is wanting to see the fullness of someone else's nature. Um, but, but it almost has to be shot through with a a direct experience of of the divine to even understand the depths of what you want for someone else yeah i wonder 
now the question is some people can have an understanding of someone's nature at least in this day and age to be mis it's misunderstood and unfortunately they can say well my nature is this my nature is that but are you truly integrated with yourself and even if you say that you're integrated with yourself can you honestly say you truly are well for lack of a better term happy even though that's the the term that i wouldn't use but that's the only thing that i can think of in the moment like I, I think the world is exhausting uh, you can give your best to the world every day and be smacked in the face uh Hmm. Like, like for some people give the world their best every day and and like new worlds open up for them and new doors for other people you give the best of the world and they're you know martyred yeah like it it, it really can go either way um i i think you have to view it as you know like raising kids like they're they're exhausting but they're worth it like you love the whole process of people's nature coming into being and a a proper and integrated and beautiful version of their nature coming into being mm-hmm. like why why would you have a child why would you not be an antinatalist which is the field of philosophy that believes which you, is nonsense yeah the field of philosophy that believes like life is suffering so having kids is unethical like like you have to have a love for for the whole experience of someone being born, having their first steps, learning to walk and talk, uh, getting braces yeah. um, and being made fun of for them, <laughs> uh, joining their junior basketball league, um, learning to love, loving someone, um, and perhaps even learning to love the divine, like. I think there has to be this cross section of like the whole thing is a mess. Yes, but I'll take that mess. And that, that almost, that almost has to be the, like the mentality of God creating the universe. Like, Oh man, this thing's going to be a mess, but (laughs) (laughs) But but I am gracious, and I'll I will see all things come into fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think as well to go along with that mess is um, quote on page one fifty six. If our hearts need to be broken, and if He chooses this as the way in which they should break, so be it. Think about the heart the hurts. Oops. Think about the hurts we've had in our lives that have helped shape us into better human beings unfortunately for some people their hurts break them for worse i know my hurts have broke me for better i guess a good quote from a pastor that i heard was would you rather be broken and bitter or broken and better Mm -hmm. for and i suppose it depends on the environment that you're in too some people have a harder time in that environment to be better but I guess this is just a blanket statement. It's better to be better. And I know it probably sounds cliche to somebody out there like, oh, 
better to be better. Tell that to me in my situation. I'm like, I, I don't know what else to say to you. I, I mean, it sounds nice, but I suppose to anybody when it comes down to the practical experience of it, um, some people are just so bitter that nothing can really get in. But I'm not the judge of their hearts. I have to leave that up to God himself to be their ultimate judge. Yeah, I don't know if it's like this this eternal recurrence um, of like, how do I wear this? Of like idolatry and then like everything just breaking down. It's like, okay, you built on sand. Try to reconstitute yourself and people mm-hmm. pick up their pieces. And it's like, oh, nope, nope. <laughs> Still not good. Um, and it's, it, it's, I don't know if it's like this grace and mercy of like, mm-hmm. okay, finally you've built on the good foundation of, of love. And you've, you've built that love pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if that's if that's like a metaphor for what's occurring. Mm-hmm. I think. I think if people are trying to pick up the pieces, and everything's shattered, what are some pieces that you could put together that would be the good pieces while discarding the bad pieces? Mm. I think that's a better way of putting it. Because going back to the broken and bitter thing broken and better I think if you're in that situation where things have been broken what would be some of the pieces in someone's own life that you could pick up that would make you better while discarding the bitter pieces that make you bitter I think, I think that's a good way of putting it and how do you apply that to charity is, a good, is another good question how do you take somebody who is bitter make them better i i think the only way is to lead by example mm, that's a good one like you don't change hearts by hitting them with the summa theologica <laughs> textbook or by lecturing or by what other things do you do trying to fix them or uh you know, ignoring them, not having a seat at the mm-hmm. table, not actually engaging in the conversation. Like these, these aren't really the way, like the way is, is love. And that's, that's the way forward. And it has to be by example, not by a, a smug greater than thou art, um, a throne. It's really by this like love and humility that people would change and they'll they'll learn and they'll get better so there also has to be this element of of faith in the process Mm -hmm. that this is this is actually how human psychology works that this is the only transformative substance in the universe that makes people better Hmm. that's a good way of putting it um I guess a good way of putting it is love another just for their own sake, depending on the situation. Because too many people, now I'm only speaking from my experience, but there are people who go into a marriage thinking it's going to be some sort of hallmark marriage or 
one of those whatever cheesy movies you see on TV, Lifetime, and they come into it thinking, oh, this is all going to be suns, sunshines, rainbows, and and whatnot, but they get into, say, a, a few months into the marriage, maybe even a couple of years, and they're like, this isn't what I thought. It's not, this isn't Hallmark Channel. As a matter of fact, this is more like, I don't know, what's, what, what's a horrible channel? Uh, whichever one has the bachelor on it yeah <laughs> uh, that oh uh, that's even worse some people <laughs> would think oh my life's gonna be like the bachelor it's like oh so you're gonna have a spouse that's gonna try to pick 14 other people and you're one of those people who he's trying to pick or she's trying to pick it's like oh good luck with that do you, do you know there's this side tangent there's this special where it's called like I think like The Bachelor, I don't know if it's like After Hours, but basically it's these specials that occur when The Bachelor picked the wrong chick Mm -hmm. and then he like goes back to the original casting to like swap her. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like... Oh, my goodness. So it'll be like a season of The Bachelor and then it'll be like another like episode like, oh, the, the 12th... Uh, the 11th hour love decision specials like this is uh, and unfortunately there are women out there i'm sure some guys oh who gosh. eat that sort of garbage up oh. garbage in garbage out <laughs> this is why you fill your mind with good things folks mm. this is why you're listening to our podcasts hopefully this hopefully it's not garbage in garbage out for us <laughs> Man, that is quite a dramatic plug. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing, one thing that Lewis talks about. This is a new topic. Mm-hmm. Is he starts talking about hate? Um, to have a well-ordered love, there's this like capacity for hate for for some things. Mm-hmm. So I, I think of Jesus just bashing the Pharisees or something. Um, and it's not a hate that, that stems from fear. It's not a hate that stems from self-survival or knocking someone down a notch or, or being better, all these things. It's really a hate that, that stems from just like not conceding to evil. Mm-hmm. Um and loving people enough to kind of like have these like standards for them. That's a good way of putting it. Loving somebody, loving somebody enough to be disagreeable for the, to, for them to be better. And that's a hard thing for me because I'm generally pretty agreeable, but I suppose for us, when's a good time and place to bring up certain topics like that? Excuse me. Um, yeah, in the context of Lewis, he was using the Bible verses: "You must love your mother, your brother, your or you, gardener, you must, your." <laughs> or I think he was saying, "You must hate." Or, ah, yeah, opposite. Yeah, you must hate your brother, your sister, your whoever. Um, like you must be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, Shoot, um, I need the, I need the real thing. 
obviously the scripture when it says you must hate your brother lover or your brother wife sister and so on and so forth it doesn't mean that you have to have this complete animosity towards another person where you have to shun them from your life no it's more of and jesus is speaking in a uh, in an exaggerated manner when he's saying these things in order to follow him but he's saying that you must put me as your highest love before others Okay, I got yeah. okay, I got go the ahead. verse um, for for anyone that just heard my tongue turn to spaghetti at least <laughs> three times. Um, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And it it's actually from there that that C.S. Lewis springboards into defining what type of hate that is. That it's it's not a hate out of self survival or fear. It's it's just out of um, kind of calling others to a higher standard and not not flinching to evil. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Um, I think a good way... Let me see here. It's part of my notes. Um, let's see here. So here's, another, here's a good one for some of us out there is when are time when are there times in our lives when we become obnoxious with trying to show off bad love or love that is not charity does that make sense like you're you're just being so obnoxious like dude back off for a moment I, i've got this please i suppose a good way is, i guess to answer my question is a helicopter parent mm. Or somebody who sees somebody else struggling, but they're kind of still doing it. But it's like, okay, you know what? Let let me let me get let me step in. It's like, no, I want to take care of this. Let me have this. I'm just trying to help. I don't need your help. Think of, I guess, something like that would be it. Would be it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. Here's the um, transcendent in nature thing, like. There has to be this respect for nature and, and human psychology and what simply is the way and how people actually change. And I, I think there has to be a trust in the in the process. Yeah. So, yeah, those people that, that jump in and offer unsolicited advice, um, like like that's cool, but if, if you look deep enough in yourself, you'll realize that, it just doesn't work yeah truth always enters through the the side door blindsides you and sacks you or something mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think something that lewis mentions to kind of tie all these things together why we have all these loves and everything of that sort from affection, friendship, eros, and finally charity. Uh, page 178. I can't quite find the quote there, but I wrote it down. We were made for God and we image him or are like him in the matter of loving him and loving others. Mm. I suppose the 
greatest commandment, as Jesus said, is love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, strength. And he said the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And why is this? Because we were made for God. Hmm. I suppose a good way of putting that all together. Um, and I suppose on page 175, in my love for wife or friend, the only eternal element is the transforming presence of love, the capital L, himself, the capital H. Mm. Yeah. I think that's what it does come down to is love. But unfortunately, some people have a skewed understanding of love and not a true understanding of love because you know that whole thing during the 60s of free love man um okay I, they're probably back then they were probably like well we're tired of this whole system and whatnot and fine fair some some structures can be a little too rigid but with that being said love is more than just a feeling to put a quote from dc talk love is a verb Love isn't always just what feels good. Love is sometimes what feels uncomfortable. Saying, as cliche as it is, saying the hard things that need to be said. Even if somebody might scream in your face. I know that's that'd be hard for me. I can, I can say that for sure. That, that's a hard thing for me. Um, I, I just think that... Sometimes love isn't always what we think it is, if that makes sense. Love isn't always a warm fuzzy. There are times where love is discipline. And this is what I was going like to go Boundaries? On. Yeah. Yeah, boundaries is good. And I think what is true self-love? Is true self-love allowing yourself to always, I don't know, spend eight hours a day watching Netflix Although sometimes you just need to relax. There are times where it's like, okay, I weigh 5,000 pounds. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm just going with, the, yeah. you know where I'm going. I, I ate I weigh... an elephant and that elephant ate a hippo and that <laughs> yeah. hippo ate a yeah. something I, bigger. <laughs> I weigh, weigh 5,000 pounds. Oh I'm on gosh. the couch all day. I'm not doing anything for myself, but I love myself. Do you really? I think true self-love is sometimes taking a hard look in the mirror and saying i need to get my life in order i need to have enough self-respect and self-love to do some hard discipline in my life like you're saying people that treat self-love as this kind of superfluous category like like oh i don't need to actually like integrate my nature i i can just be like a couch potato um when, when really someone that critically looks at this person's nature and says a full version of this nature is to what's the word to exercise all these instincts mm -hmm. to to exercise your religious instinct and your instinct um for just like the body and moving around and your instinct for the intellect and your instinct for like the emotions or however you frame it. Um, mm -hmm. to, to say self-love is this category. You can just 
pitch parts of yourself that you don't want to work on into it it deeply lacks the self-respect it's like oh self-love i'm gonna uh i I don't even have a good example i'm gonna eat chips all day and not do anything something like that i don't know (laughs) what types of chips (laughs) um my my choice would be kettle chips. Kettle chips, okay. I I hear kettle chips are a white person thing, but I don't care. I like kettle chips. <laughs> yeah, so I Yeah, I think I agree with you with self-love not being this this fuzzy category to just pitch things into that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, there's a balance to all things. Exercise, rest, work, family. Yeah, don't. Yeah, not neglecting the spiritual exercises as well within yourself. Morning and evening prayers. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't really have anything else to add. Do you? Let me check my handy notebook. Oh, yes. Lewis ends by talking about heaven. Oh, please, please. I can ramble. I, I kind of wrote this more as a question in my notebook, but it, it was how he ended the book, so I would like to cover it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you said, you kind of hinted this earlier. Like, he says that the only... Um, the only love that would would survive and like make it through the gates of heaven would be would be that which has been made full through through charity mm-hmm. so there can be affection there can be eros there can be um friendship but like only those which like those three containers those which have been filled with with charity um is the essence of what he believes would be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to pull a, a Dante and a Purgatorio, very Italian, yeah. where he, he like walks through fire. Um, <laughs> Which was, was a good story still, but still, I get your point. Yeah, it's super weird. He like walked through fire, and then he's like, oh, my loins burn. And then, <laughs> and then it was like his way of saying he, he struggled with um, sex or something. It's just know. a very weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not psychologist. Purification Dante. fire of Purgatorio. Um, but yeah, will will heaven be like the transcendental, or will it be like nature? Well, I think the heaven will be a combination of the two, because in the understanding of the Christian. Uh, end of all things and it won't be a technical end of all things but it'll just be a so what this is it's a renewal of things Mm. where there will be new heavens and a new earth and our the spirits that are waiting in heaven will be given new bodies Mm. so it isn't this gnostic notion of you die and then you go to heaven and you just stay there for all of eternity in paradise no heaven i would say is like this waiting place for the saints Mm. and once all things are fulfilled at least in this current life we're given a new body where our 
where our souls will inhabit, where we'll have a proper connection with the uh, material and the immaterial, Mm. where our souls will be with our bodies, but our bodies will truly be whole at that point. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, you sent me a video last week, Jordan, about sometimes our, our view of heaven being um, tainted by just like our materialism, like thinking, oh, in heaven, I will have all the, the kettle chips. You still haven't <laughs> picked a flavor. And like all my earthly pleasures are all just jalapeno. Be... <laughs> Continue. Like like all the earthly pleasures, it will just be like a bunch of them just thrown at you, like, um, and that's that's projecting on heaven, like the hedonism and the world God's not trying to create. Yeah, it's it's saying like, oh, God doesn't like want us to have pleasures now, but. You know, when I get to heaven, it's kind of just like he gives us the stuff. Like, I know you wanted this anyway. Here's mm-hmm. here's your double chocolate mocha frappuccino, <laughs> twice stirred, double latte. I Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, so th- that video you sent was just a good reminder mm-hmm. not to impose this, like, materialist view of pleasure onto heaven that, oh, you just get more of it um yeah as far as the transcendental nature yeah this paradox is gonna lead to a new heaven a new earth a new garden of eden new paradise Mm -hmm. city on the hill um people holding hands saying kumbaya i think it'll be more fulfilling than that but it's still nice. Yeah. Um, like people actually connecting to each other rather than being very disconnected. Um, people being very disconnected and territorial. Um, Thank you. Would be good to put from something Saint Augustine to live in the city of God rather than in the city of man. You have you have the two worlds, the city of God and the city of man. What we're in currently right now, what we live in, is the city of man in its fallen broken state, but yet there's still certain orders that we have and that we do obey for good reason. But then you have the city of God who the citizens of heaven are the true citizens of. So I suppose to get back to charity and as a final thought for myself is true charity is having loves properly ordered and a proper giving of oneself, not only of oneself, but also a proper affection going back to the the first love the storge as as it is in greek but charity isn't just the warm fuzzy charity is putting things into action 
It's like that First Corinthians 13 part where love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, and so on and so forth. It's putting love not only in proper affection, but it's also putting love in its proper uh, action. To have true charity, that true proper affection is something that is of God. Because to go back to that quote, we were made for God. And from St. Augustine again in his confessions, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And there's a lot of restlessness going on in today's day and age. I'm sure it will continue for many years to come. But no true rest will be achieved until we rest ourselves in God himself. Awesome. I cannot outdo that. <laughs> um, yes, I still need to get the next book, but... It's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. This is one of the bank first five podcasts yeah high five yeah. podcast <laughs> that was a weak high five on our part uh, making a fool of myself anyways i got nothing else do you have anything else Corey? no all right hope you guys have enjoyed all this we'll see you for the next one be well